sounds you've just heard were apparently recorded in a locked empty hall in the early hours of the morning in 1982 at the 15th century Prince of Wales pub located in the village of Kenfig, Mid Glamorgan, Wales. This episode of Paratalk, I'm flying solo and there is a reason for that. For some time now I've wanted to create this episode but was never really sure how to go about it. As some of you long-time listeners will already know, I have a keen interest in the electronic voice phenomenon. You might also be aware, in the past, I've undertaken my own EVP experiments with varying results. So you could say this episode is a little bit special for me. Let me explain. In the early 2000s, I was an avid listener to a podcast called the Haunted New Jersey Podcast. The podcast was hosted by Garrett Husved, who sadly is no longer with us. Garrett's podcast was based around his research into EVP. One episode in particular caught my attention. That episode was the Talking Wars Experiments. One evening in 1982, the then landlord of the Prince of Wales pub experienced something very strange while he was locking up for the night. He could clearly hear what sounded like the old Sunday school organ playing. The organ was situated on the upper floor of the pub and is what is known today as the Old Hall or the Guild Hall. This hall has been in use in some way or another for around 600 years, including a Sunday school and a village court. Deciding to investigate, he made his way to the upper floor, but on touching the door handle, the organ music stopped. Perplexed by this, it wasn't long before he had told of his experience to two locals and regulars of the pub, Alan Jenkins, an industrial chemist, and John Mark, an electrical engineer. The two individuals had an interest in what is known today as the stone tape theory. A theory that under certain conditions, sound can be captured in the fabric of a location and or a structure, and those sounds can under the right conditions be replayed. Alan and John came up with the idea to charge the building's walls like a battery, and if there was anything to the theory, then there might be some possible reactions. Placing two electrodes in the walls about four feet apart, they connected those to a generator, and the generator was situated outside of the building. They then passed 20,000 volts between the two electrodes. Over the following weeks, this was done a number of times. Audio recorders were placed in the locked hall. The following audio you're going to hear is the actual audio recordings from back in 1982. Although it isn't the best quality, it does improve. And for anyone interested in the stone tape theory, it's well worth a listen. So, I present to you the Talking Wars. And of course, I need to thank the late Garrett Husfett. My name is Ray Nelke, the founder of Put The tape you're about to listen to is a combination of two tapes concerning the subject of the Wailing Wall, which is paranormal voices and sounds that has been recorded from the wall of a pub in Wales. The first tape this is made from was supplied to Mr. Scott Parker. The second tape I received from Mr. Martin. I have combined these two tapes in some sort of order to make the story more noticeable. The first sounds from the wall is just sounds. The second tape is a combination of all sounds and also later on you can hear voices. This subject the tape, contents therein, is supplied to you by Could I. It is not endorsed by Could I. Could I receives no commissions, interest, or money 
or any of this type of information that merely passes along for your enjoyment. The contents of the tape is not necessarily endorsed as far as the feelings of could I or any member. Hope you enjoy this tape. Good listening. Be patient. Tape will start in a few moments. There is some static. Tape will start in a few moments. Alan Jenkins and myself are greatly interested in all areas which are really the manifestation of forms of energy. And we are really intrigued with the results we have obtained in the course of words. An area we are greatly interested in is all aspects of the electromagnetic spectrum and um, we are intrigued by complexity and the curious nature of the magnetic spectrum. Particularly so in that our sensory perception, all of which is activated by forms of energy, which results in subtle concurrence in the particular formation, uh, particularly so as the brain and that convoluted O'Neill matter in our cranium has in a sense been reprogrammed by genetic influences uh, and mutations and also by environmental uh, stimuli and that in itself is the most complex organic material. Coming back to our experiments in the Pennsylvania Zen, uh, we did uh, make some recordings on January the 1st, uh, setting up our equipment uh, the day before, the time switched to come in at 3am. We did have around um, 30, 45, some sounds which perhaps you will think interesting, and I will later transpose these sounds onto the cassette which uh, sent you and see what you make of these sounds. We think they're very curious. Also on the cassette I will give you some information on the historic background of this area, in particular the Pennsylvania's, uh, which we hope you will find of interest. Uh, if I bottle on uh, a little into areas that uh, is of interest, uh, please give me Mr. Parker. But uh, we thought we'd try to hear something of this background. Sometime this month we are tackling another historic building in this area to see if we can get any results in another site. We have some problems on um, time on this work because Adam Jenkins is a chemical engineer travels extensively throughout the United Kingdom and also states where I'm used to myself, I'm a electrical engineer. I travel extensively in the United Kingdom on Cumberland. I'm a keen video amateur. I'm currently working on RTTY, that's how I speak most, my computer, which is very absorbing and I've had printouts on these wires and Eastern sector, common sector, bit uh, of propaganda, and uh, such things as stock market reports, and uh, ships, radio, and sword, uh, and travel on the airways, uh, where I find 
Netflix series, and I will also uh, put on the set some interviews we've had with the BBC and various media, media uh, which may be of interest to you. Feel uh, free, free to use any material that you think suitable with our compliments. Returning to the sounds we recorded at the end uh, just a few days ago now, the impression I get is um, some form of explosive violent energy is trying to come out and get somewhere. We are living um, in a very historic part of Wales in this area, and one cannot walk more than a mile uh, without coming up uh, to a medieval castle or some battlefield or some legend um, which reflects perhaps the very violent uh, background this country had through different ages. Of particular interest to me is the very town of Kempthig. Uh, Kempthig now is quite a small place, just a few houses, church, inns. Previously, uh, in medieval times, it was a port on some commercial borders. And sometime in the early 15th or late um, late 14th century, there was some sort of English of sand that completely covered the town of Celtic. Uh, there had been conjecture for some years on the period of time in this uh, place, and um, current evidence would suggest that it happened suddenly and catastrophically. Uh, a building about four miles from here called the Hermitage of St. Theodore, which was uh, known about through archive records and hadn't uh, been seen in modern times, was excavated. And the evidence there with the cuts and turtle walls, the archaeologist uh, studied this. Demolition was uh, sudden. I myself uh, witnessed the excavation of this building. I believe it could be possible that there is a town uh, preserved beneath the sands. Uh, as I mentioned uh, in my letter, there are plans to uh, have an archaeological dig uh, to see exactly what would happen there. There's uh, some material about this concept, uh, which I hope. During the last war, there was a very large uh, American army camp, which is why it was all from this public house. And uh, as a child, we had a call on the kindness of the GIs at that particular time. We made friends with quite a few of them. They left this country um, shortly before D Day, uh, the invasion of Europe in 1944. And we are all aware in this country of the sacrifice they made. And without that sacrifice, we would be enjoying freedom and democracy that we take so much for granted these days. And uh, we should not forget the effort and sacrifice that was made by your wonderful country uh, on two occasions. point that we are uh, completely sincere in what we've done 
and we haven't resorted to any actual trickery or hoax. Uh, that has not been our motive at all. And I wish to emphasize that point uh, very strongly, that the sounds that we've obtained have been obtained by normal means under quite controlled conditions of security, and at no time has anything been superimposed on these tapes. Uh, well, Mr. Parker, what I'll do now is put a piece of recording onto this cassette from our tape-to-tape uh, recorder, which we actually used uh, on the 1st of January in Prince of Wales. Um, as I said, we commenced recording at 3 o'clock. The sounds of enjoying the party, they uh, disappeared and that settled down. And uh, first of all, you hear uh, a slight background noise. Uh, extraneous sounds we can detect and eliminate, but you will hear what actually was picked up by our microphone at approximately 4.30 uh, four. 45. So, if you'd stand by Mr. Parker, I'll put that piece of sound onto the set.
recorded speed of the tape uh, that produced those sounds was uh, 4.75 millimeters per second. During uh, this recording session, we had no sounds distinguishable as human voices. And I think you agree that uh, the sounds we got are quite mysterious. The impression I get is of some explosive, violent energy uh, trying to come out. It's all very strange, Mr. Parker. We will now go to the second tape, which I call the update tape. This will give you additional information. Uh, greetings to you, uh, Mr. Nelk. I hope I pronounce your name correctly. Uh, this is John Mark speaking from uh, Kentig in South Wales, United Kingdom. Thank you for your letter, uh, which we've only just received. I understand that Mr. Scott Parker, uh, that you have some uh, information. Uh, we have been corresponding with Mr. Parker on our experiments here at Kentig. I will put on this tape later uh, Mr. Nelke, summary of the sounds we have recorded in the upstairs hall of the Prince of Wales Inn in Kempfick. I should point out that the sounds we have recorded are in no sense a continuous phenomena, uh, but what we uh, get is a very small amount of sound over many hours of recording. We cannot say at this time what prompts these sounds to appear. Neither can we state in uh, quantifiable scientific terms why they appear. The inn itself is uh, quite an ancient building, going back uh, possibly five, six hundred years. And a, over the centuries is at many uses. Um, it was the guild hall of a town called Kempfig, which was buried by sand and sea sometime in uh, medieval uh, times. The building survived because it was on higher ground out of the reach of the incoming uh, sands. Recent uh, archaeological evidence would suggest that the inrush of sand happened uh, over a very short period of time and was indeed quite catastrophic to the inhabitants of Kempfig uh, sometime in the 15th century. The hall or room in which we've made these recordings have had, has had um, different uses over the centuries and um, we have archive information that it was a court of law where uh, malefactors were sentenced often to death it seems and they were hung on a scaffold situated at a place called Maudlin some two miles away from the inn. Quite a lot is known about the town of Kenfig from archive uh, material, ancient documents and the charter of the town granted by uh, Lord Dispenser in the 14th century, uh, 1368 to be precise, was discovered uh, concealed in an iron box uh, in the wall of the inn back in 1940. 
it was a walled town and it had a castle and was situated in a defensive position by the side of a river. It was a Norman town and in those days um, the Welsh uh, who were indigenous uh, people of Wales um, bitterly resented the uh, intrusion of the Normans that occurred following their conquest of this country in 1066 and consequently the maraudering uh, Welsh uh, fighters, freedom fighters you would call them, attacked the town and burnt it and uh, sacked it on no less than five occasions. Now there is little to be seen, there is a few walls of the castle protruding through the sands but the town itself was uh, further to the west of the castle is completely covered. It is considered by some to be uh, one of the finest potential archaeological sites in Europe and um, some experts think that a medieval town uh, could be well be uh, preserved under the sand and uh, steps are being taken when money and funds can be obtained to carry out an excavation of this uh, very historic site. Anyway, Mr. Nalk, I won't bore you with all these historic details. I will put on um, a summary of uh, some of the sounds we've recorded. Um, the first one you hear were, was recorded as recent as uh, January the 1st of this year. This sound occurred about 5 a.m in the morning. Uh, to fill the tape up or partially fill it, I will put some interviews we've had with the media and some other information uh, which I trust will be of interest. Uh, if it isn't, well, please forgive me. Okay, Mr. Nalk, I'll uh, put this sound on now, so if you'd stand by. I'd emphasize that in no sense um, was the recordings a hoax, but they really occurred in that room and um, my friend Alan Jones who is an industrial chemist uh, his theory is that somehow the, the, these mysterious sounds are encapsulated within the fabric of the building and that by random probability we are disturbing or energizing uh, sites within the, the structure that um, give out the energy of sounds which have somehow been recorded within the silica and uh, ferric oxide structure uh, from which the inn is constructed. Anyway, it's all very mysterious and we propose later this year to uh, conduct further experiments with some more sophisticated equipment and we're working on a computer program to enhance these sounds our time is limited in a sense uh, because I travel extensively in my work as electrical engineer and Alan uh, also travels extensively. In fact, he'll be stateside uh, next week. I'll give him um, your letter heading or a copy of it and uh, perhaps he'll uh, telephone you here there at St. Louis. Um, so, um, Okay, Mr. Nark, uh, I'll put these sounds on now.
made in one of our Welsh pubs. It's rather a ghostly recording. We'll come back to that later. But first, I want to tell you about a new book that's been published. It's called Haunted Pubs in Britain and Ireland, written by Mark Alexander. And it, uh, he's in our London studio now. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mark. Um, why did you write the book? I've got a feeling it was a, a bit on the eerie side, the actual reason, wasn't it? Well, um, I have been... Uh, very interested in, in the occult and in ghosts and it started off when I first came to Britain and I was lucky enough to get a job with the newspaper of Valley and the editor was rather an eccentric when I first came to Britain and I was lucky enough to get a job with the newspaper of Valley and the editor was rather an eccentric and when you had no idea for a story he would call you into his office you see throw a dart at a map of Britain and wherever the dart landed, rather like Robin Hood firing off his arrow, uh, you had to go there and you didn't dare come back until you got a story. <laughs> and in my case, the dart landed on a, a haunted pub or a, or a place where there was one. And that's how my interest began. And how long ago was this? Oh, this would be about 15 years ago. Mm. How many of our pubs do you actually reckon then are haunted? Well, I've got towards uh, 200 in my book. I know, it's pretty packed with yes. them. Yes, but when you consider there's about 70,000 pubs in, in England alone, it means there's not really a, a lot of them are haunted. We've got 70,000, we're obviously mm. like, uh, like crossing down a, a, an ale or two. <laughs> um, when I, you actually travel to a lot of pubs, didn't you, Indeed. while you were researching yes. this? Has anything strange ever happened to you? Um, unfortunately, I'm not psychic. If I had been, I'm sure I'd have seen a great... Uh, many things, but I did have one very painful uh, experience with a ghost or a poltergeist in a in Somerset in the Blackdown Hills. There's a pub there, a very old pub called the Holman Clavel, uh, which centuries ago was used by the monks as a, um, a resting place, a hospice on the on the on their pilgrimage to Glastonbury. And according to the legend, the ghost that is still there was one of these monks who stayed on and enjoyed the uh, <laughs> enjoyed the in life rather than carrying on with his holy orders <laughs> and um the uh, the inn or the pub has a, a real old english skittle alley at the back um going again going back centuries and they still play with these huge nine pound lignum vitae balls you see and apparently the renegade monk who stayed there was was interested in two things you know the ale and the skittle alley and of course they do say that late at night you hear the rumble of the balls going down the Skittle Alley even today, you see, uh, rolled by a phantom hand and when people go there of course there's nothing to be seen. Yes. So I asked the landlord, Mr. John Clapp, whether I could take a photograph of this and I asked him to roll the ball gently down the Skittle Alley while I took the photograph, you see, and of course he was obviously taking care not to hit me because they're very solid things. And halfway down I saw in my viewfinder of my rollerplex the ball suddenly knocked to one side, not, not curved as it would naturally, as though hit by an invisible hand, as you might say, and it came at a terrific rate, caught me in the kneecap, and uh, three days I couldn't walk, and um, even today, going up and down stairs, I have cause to remember. <laughs> and you don't think it, it hit a bump in the... In no, 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 it was too definite for that. It, it, I think what it is, you know, these the spirits or ghosts or whatever we care to think of them they they resent their privacy being disturbed <laughs> possibly now you've, you've listed pubs from all over britain Scotland, yes. england Ireland, Wales. how do our welsh ghost stories compare with all the others well that's very interesting because the english ghosts tend to be very um uh, conventional if you may say so you know the sort of the white lady the um the uh the, the phantom coach and the horses 
uh, and of course the inevitable poltergeist which um, plays tricks on people but uh, the Welsh you see I think the, the ghosts here sort of reflect the, the Celtic nature of the people and they're more strange they're more um, bizarre in fact not I'm saying everybody in Wales is bizarre you've just got more imagination that's, that's exactly the word I was looking for right <laughs> well if you stay there in a London studio where you are now and, and just listen to this which I recorded earlier yes uh, I just tell everyone that one of the most interesting Welsh pubs in Mark's book is the Prince of Wales down in Kenvig that's in Midland Morgan um, previous landlords and landladies have often heard organ music coming from the pub it's about six centuries old and so a couple of years ago two of the regulars who, who drink there decided to investigate and see if there was any scientific explanation for the sounds. Well, Alan Jenkins, who was an industrial chemist, and his friend John Mark made uh, the international news of the experiments they carried out. And just before we came on the air this morning, Alan came into the studio to tell us what it was all about and to play that recording. Here it is. Sounds a bit like music to me. What is it? Well, we think it could well be the old harmonium that is situated in the upstairs room of the Prince of Wales. Mm. Uh, well, this organ, the noise of the organs, was what started us off on our experiments. The old landlord who died about three years ago, Mr. Jack David, was um, complained that he always could hear this organ playing through the night. Um, well, most of the regulars didn't take much notice of him because he liked the practical joke <laughs> and he was getting on a bit. But when um, Mr. Mike Evans, the new landlord, took over, uh, he and his wife still could hear this organ. Um, that made that John and myself um, start to dig up our theories that we discussed several years ago. And what were the theories? Well, John and myself have discussed over several years why old pubs have got good atmosphere compared to new ones. And we've reasoned that possibly we've heard the people saying the good vibes coming from the walls. Yeah. So we reasoned that possibly there was something in fabric of a pub or, or a wall to give it good um, good character, good vibes then. Uh, we thought that if the walls contained silica and ferric salts, which are very similar to recorded tapes, then it's possible that sound sound energy could be recorded in the walls. Mm. So how did you go about it? Well, we, we also then, the advent of the silica chip, it's possible that certain of the silica sites in the walls could also be acting as low-grade microchips. So we decided that possible by putting an electrical current through the wall, we could stimulate the sound energy being stored in the wall to be transmitted back. So what we did was we set up a time uh, clock with our electrical equipment and a tape recorder, and we plugged brass electrodes into the wall, passed the current through the wall, and then set up the tape recorder on a time switch. And how long did you leave it to, to, to get this recording? Uh, over four hours normally running from about one o'clock to four o'clock in the morning. And, and did you get this on, on the first recording or did it, did it take months of recording? Well, the, we had this noise actually on our first, our first attempt, which what? was quite spooky. What, yeah. what, what was your reaction when you played it back? Shocked, to say the least. Uh, because we, we started this uh, experiment off slightly tongue-in-cheek. Mm. Uh, we had a lot of ridicule for our ideas, but when we started getting this, especially on the first attempt, um, it started to change our thoughts from possibly the scientific nature to something that the paranormal could be there. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what do the locals think who use the pub? Uh, they think we're probably a bit nuts, but uh, <laughs> as the results we've got, I think we are changing people's ideas. Mm. What other sorts of noises have you recorded so far? One of the um, predominant features of all our recordings 
I must add that, that we are probably only get 5, 10, 20 seconds of noise per four-hour recording. But one of the most common ones is the sound of ticking clock, a large pendulum clock. Mm, any reason for that? Any history of, of clocks? Well, like there was a clock. There is no pendulum clock in the pub at the moment. Mm. But there was a large pendulum clock downstairs in the pub, which stopped the day the old landlord died. So that's uh, an, uh, the sound of an organ you've got and the sound of a ticking clock. Were there any other sounds? The other things that we have got, again, we are only assuming that these are noises. What we would like to do is to have had some uh, more sophisticated equipment to try and get a noise print that we could perhaps give an explanation for them to these sounds. Do you we really... Yeah, bumps, sorry. Yes. Bumps, bags, sound of furniture, again, which is reported from me. The landlady, I think she says, even during the day when nobody's about. Makes me go all hot and cold, what you're telling me. Do you really believe it's all genuine? Yes. Yes, definitely. You really have been quite sincere, don't you? Oh, yes. Um, as, a, as an engineer and a scientist, we've both been dedicated to, to trying to do this with without any sort of trickery or hopes. In mm. fact, we even have had the local uh, police constable to see the door on several occasions while we've done our recordings and come back the following day. Have you, and after all these experiments and what you've recorded, do you really believe in ghosts yourself, Alan? I, we started this with, with an open mind and we tried to reason that there could be a scientific reason behind all these noises. But since our investigations, um, I'm becoming more convinced that there are powers of the supernatural. Mm. Well, that was Alan Jenkins, and I chatted with him earlier this morning. Um, Mark, uh, Mark Alexander, the author of the Haunted uh, Pubs book, is in London. You've been listening to that, Mark, haven't We're you? absolutely fascinated. Does yes. that confirm your findings through, through research you've done for the book? It, it does. More than that, in fact, I think um, the whole question of the supernatural could uh, come from this, because I, I did another book on haunted churches, uh, which are almost as many as there are haunted pubs. And, of course, they're all stoned into buildings. And I think we may find that there is a quality in stone which does hold impressions, just as um, Mr. Jenkins was saying. Yeah, well, it's fascinating business, anyway. We've had people ringing in uh, while we're on here, <laughs> actually telling us about other haunted pubs, so I'll get a, a, one or two of those out to them afterwards. Thanks very much, Mark. I'll Thank just you. give everybody your uh, publication details. The book's called Haunted Pubs in Britain and Ireland. It's published by Sphere, and it's £2.95. And if I were to say to you that what we've just been listening to proves that wars have ears, you'd feel entitled to a rather more detailed explanation. Wars in question are about four foot thick, and they belong to a pub called the Prince of Wales, which is at Kenfig, just outside Porthcawl. And if you give the walls a bit of an electric shock, apparently, and record the results, well, that's the kind of noise you come up with. So 
Could it be that wars and that the right stimulus will give up the stored memories of hundreds of years, or is that just too ridiculous for words? Certainly worth a chat. And with me now, the gentleman responsible for those recordings, John Mark. John, good morning. Good morning. Now, why did all this electrocuting wars business start? Tell us that story. Well, it started a couple of months ago when the uh, present landlord, Mr. Mike Evans, uh, claimed he heard uh, the sound of organ music and voices in the very old room above the inn. And my friend and I, Alan Jenkins, um, got talking about this and um, began to think of ways whereby we could perhaps record these noises or alleged noises. And at that time, I remembered that the previous landlord had also complained about organ music and voices and bumps, but he had sort of got used to it. And is there an organ in the pub? Oh, indeed, there is an organ in the pub. Yes, but uh, presumably those recordings were made at dead of night when there was no one in the pub to play it. Certainly, we set up our apparatus uh, to come in on a time switch between the hours of 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. And what exactly was the apparatus? How did it work? Well, coming back to our conversation, my chemist friend suggested that perhaps the silica and ferric salts within the wall uh, could be capable of recording the energy of sounds. Uh, that was his uh, brief theory. My contribution was that uh, I thought it could be possible to jigger up those electrons with a massive electrical charge. So we set up our apparatus, which was a domestic tape recorder, and some other apparatus to give that wall an electric shock. And in fact, we placed electrodes in the wall and passed uh, between 18,000 and 20,000 volts into the wall with the hope of invigorating the electrodes. It was a crazy thing, and in fact, when we set it up, it was tongue-in-cheek. We didn't expect to get anything. And was that just a, a sort of one-off charge? Or so we set up our apparatus, which was a domestic tape recorder and some other apparatus to give that wall an electric shock and in fact we placed electrodes in the wall and passed uh, between 18,000 and 20,000 volts into the wall with the hope of invigorating the electrodes. It was a crazy thing and in fact when we set it up it was tongue-in-cheek. We didn't expect to get anything. And was that just a, a sort of one-off charge or is that powered? A continuous charge. A continuous charge? Yes, yes the, the time switch brought in the tape recorder and the electrical charge concurrently. Right. And was anyone anywhere near the place when all this was going on? Oh no, the, the room itself is approached uh, outside the public house by rough stone steps and the landlord entrusted us to the keys to set up the apparatus but we handed the keys uh, when we left the building back to Mr. Evans and they were in his custody until we returned next day uh, to find out if we had picked up something. And does he live on the premises? Yes, another part of the premises behind thick walls. And did he hear anything on the night you were recording? Um, he didn't say so, not specifically uh, on that night, but there were other nights then he, he claimed he could hear the organ, the music, uh, bumps, stuffs, squeaks. But you're satisfied, obviously, John, that, that on the night you recorded, the tape recorder was in there on its own and no one interfered with it and no one put those noises down uh, without your knowing. I cannot prove or disprove that at the moment. I've got an open mind on that subject. 
and to verify the authenticity of this experiment, uh, there must be certain conditions imposed, such as a seal on the door and uh, proper uh, inspection of the equipment be set up to obviate any chance of interference. But presumably you'll be doing that, you'll be going ahead and conducting that kind of controlled experiment? Most certainly, and um, we have been sponsored by a large national company um, in terms of equipment and apparatus, and we propose repeating this experiment with seal tapes under defined conditions with expert witnesses um, so that we can eliminate any suggestion of hoax or, or trickery. Has anyone ever just left a tape recorder in the place without the business of, of the electric charges and just uh, sought to record the noises that the landlord says he hears anyway? Uh, that was the first thing we did, but um, uh, we wanted to eliminate extraneous noises, and um, we soon detected those such as passing traffic and um, doors shutting during the opening hours of the public house. Mm. And um, the results we got using the electric injection were quite different, and the background noises are entirely different than uh, setting up a tape recorder. Where do you put the microphone, John? Well, uh, it's not only a microphone. Um, we've put the microphone and indeed in a, a coil we use in various parts and we've had various responses um, over approximately 25 hours of recording. Uh, it's not consistent, it's not predictable. And in fact, there are many periods when we just get the background hiss, then tantalizing, we have a few seconds or less than that of conversation or noise phenomena. We've heard a little bit of it, but tell us exactly what you've got on there that, that's kind of interesting and startling. Well, throughout the recording there's um, the sound of a, uh, a clock. And curiously there is no uh, pendulum clock in the public house. In fact, um, the clock was removed um, on the demise of the previous landlord about three years ago. Right. Um, apart from the ticking clock we get um, curious noises, footsteps, bumps, squeaks, scuffs, but um, very curiously something that sounds similar to organ music and also bits of voices occasionally. Uh, quite curiously uh, this weekend we had um, at half past three for a second and a half a woman's voice uh, sobbing and in some distress but tantalizingly what she says is hardly discernible. You can't make out the words? No. So we seek to improve our equipment and get more sophisticated operators. But sometimes there's more than one voice, there's a kind of conversation yes, uh, There's a cacophony of voices. It appears to us that the, the wall is full of voices and sounds and energy. As I said earlier, the potential here 
uh, is to discover a medieval term that preserved under the sand. were recorded at various haunted sites in Southern Maryland and from my own, some from my own in-house experiments. It sounds like a male voice, clear, saying, hey. The next one is a voice I believe it's trying to say something uh, but it kind of sounds like a, a noise along with possibly a word or two the next one is a soft musical male voice whispering that's very hard to pick out but I believe what it's saying is I'm right behind you <laughs> 